Hello, hi Judy. Hello, my lovelies. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Excited to be here. How is the running going? Oh, well, you picked a bad week to ask me that, to be fair. <laughs> right, like, I'm not going to lie. Since I did the marathon last year, it's been up and down. I'm inconsistent at the best of times, but the British weather is not helping me out in that matter. My 2024 goal was run once a week. I was like, if I set it, set the bar low once mm. a week, do that. First three weeks, smashed it. And then, yeah, I've, I've not run since. I find it, re- are you a fair weather runner? Absolutely. One million percent. I would love to be saying otherwise and living the Goggins life. But no, I, I saw it drizzling <laughs> this afternoon. I was like, no, I'm just going to walk instead. So, yes. No. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking in my yeah, head, I'm going to record on here as well, as well in case yeah. we can't upload the yeah, audio. Good idea. This is back up. Good. I was just thinking that in my head then. <laughs> I was like trying to do it really subtly, write it down. No, we don't need to be subtle. We can, we can edit these days. Yeah, now. that's cool. We can edit. Okay. Um, right, so we'll wait for you to get you that signed up then, and then we'll ask you the first question. Yeah, because you can put, upload the audio from the Zoom up to... Uh, yeah, you know, in I case the... we can't, we'll have backup because yeah, yeah. it's going to be too good yeah, to, exactly. not, to not have on. There we go. Good. We're in. Okay. Hello, guys. So today we've got Didi with us. Um, welcome, Didi, to the podcast. We are so excited to have you on. Um, we just wanted to start by asking you how you got into coaching and what led you to be where you are today in your mega successful career. Well, uh, okay, so for context, I've been coaching for about eight years now. I entered this industry when I was like 23. I'm 33, so it's kind of been a decade now that I've I've sort of been in the space, observing it, been through the highs and lows of changes within, you know, the fitness industry. But I'd be lying if I said it wasn't sparked by my own sort of career change. I was a veterinary nurse in a previous life. So I went to university and studied veterinary nursing um, at the RBC in Potter's Bar and ended up being pretty burnt out from that. Found a bit of a love for fitness, saw how transformative it was being empowered or, or educating myself on nutrition. And I thought, well, I guess I could do this pretty easily for a living and help other people sort of achieve that those kind of results and just go on that journey and support them on that process I I guess like any coach it's kind of replicating what you wish you'd had for yourself back then at the beginning and yeah my own love of of understanding women's health and physiology and CBT and and mental health has I guess accumulated in yeah a, a pretty decent time span of just being in this space coaching and how have you found it since you've moved on from March on to being on your own it's it's been great to be honest. I'm I'm really sort of excited by just developing like a community, especially within the women's health, talking more about it. And I think just developing having a little bit more faith in myself. I think for anybody that starts their own coaching business, when you're you take that leap of faith, it's it's such a, a risk, but you get all the reward at the same time. So yeah, I'm enjoying sort of having more flexibility in terms of schedule meeting new people developing new courses and content and stuff so yeah I'm I'm hugely excited by that next chapter of my life especially when it comes to coaching 
I hadn't realized you'd left March on until your story yesterday. I thought you were still there, but then you say I've not made a, a song and dance about it. But yeah, I was like, yeah, no, I don't realize you left. No, I, I was with them for seven years. So to be honest, it was a really long time span and I absolutely loved my time there. And I think it just seeing the growth of it, I felt very privileged to be part of it. But I think as as a person, you also need to, you know, make sure you're checking in with how you see yourself, where your growth is and what you want out of, you know, what you want to build, where you want your, your life to look like whether you want to work for somebody, build your own thing, expand. So yeah, it was just a different chapter. And I love everybody there. I still see them fairly regularly. And I'm still um, voice noting Sammy or every day most of the time, who was, um, you know, my colleague in the nutrition space there. So yeah, it's it's been fun. And yeah, a whole new chapter. So everything in women's health, what would you say is your sort of niche area if you have one or is there anything you particularly are passionate about or that you like to talk about the most I would say menopause is pretty huge for me personally just because I've been on hormone replacement myself for two and a half years that's kind of a bit of a long story and um, a bit of a unique medical case in that respect but I mean it's hormones and contraceptives and things like that it's just yeah perimenopause and menopause and I guess going through that process myself, I went to Harley Street and saw specialists. So I think it, it seems such a shame for me to not have that knowledge and sort of share it, build it into my coaching, become more specialized in helping, again, a lot of women in towards their late 30s and, and 40s and 50s go through that process because I just don't think there's enough support out there within that space, especially. Yeah. And I I mean, I had one another question, actually, that I've just thought of that somebody sent along, which was about sort of nutrition in menopause. And, mm. she, you know, she said, you know, it's just there's so much out there. There's so much conflicting information out there. And now there's all these products that have popped up. And I think people, even though, you know, as a coach, you can say to them, like, it's like for some people, it's not going to be that much different to what we would normally prescribe for like a healthy body, like and getting yeah. in and getting the fiber in and getting the protein in and looking after your sleep and you know I know you're a huge advocate of like whole health um and looking at all mm -hmm. factors that affect our nutrition choices as well um but I think because there is this you know you're getting these adverts thrown at your left right and center people just go ah like should I be taking this is there something that's going to really help me or do I actually you know need to <laughs> just stay away from like some of the more negative things that I'm taking in and consuming and you know managing my stress and my sleep and all of that stuff absolutely I think if you are prescribing something quite rigid or calling it a menopause diet or some sort of miracle cure for it I think that's also going to be a red flag for somebody that you probably shouldn't follow or be paying attention to because they're just not invested in you they're more invested in potentially financial gain from supplements I mean supplements is a multi-billion dollar industry like I'm, I'm not here to try and bring that down like I, I'm here to just support women show them the evidence behind science and research like if that's not there for a product or a supplement or a way of eating or or whatever then it's just a no-go that's more in line with how I like to be as a coach and I guess there are a lot of people within this space that don't but menopause is such a huge area and it's gained a lot of momentum in terms of people talking about it which I think is incredible I'm, I'm all I'm always going to be here for that but on the downside people are also going to try and capitalize that and and maybe you know that's the darker side of, of something like that 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so shall we start with menopause then as we are there already? Yeah, I did, I, most of my questions that came through were just very general hormone questions mm. and PCOS. Um, mm. But one question I did have was, why am I gaining weight in different places now I'm older? Is it my hormones? Which is such a great question to ask because I think there's this level of you waking up one day around about perimenopause and menopause age thinking that you have have just gotten some sort of spare tire around your lift and it's such a common thing within hormones and menopause and there's there's scientific reasons for that a lot of it is lifestyle related I think we still neglect to talk about the fact that as we get older we become more sedentary we move less and it still is always going to circle back to energy balance and the ins and outs from from calories perspective and also movement we can't get around that but there are many things that indirectly impact that so the shift of fat storage between losing those hormones is is significant and we adopt more of a male fat pattern when we lose estrogen in our body so we adopt more of a male fat pattern which is around our stomach exactly where we as women don't want to but because we've spent our whole lives with a certain maybe physique or shape to then lose the hormones that then affect where fat is stored on our body, we're going to notice that because we're obviously quite self-aware people. We we see ourselves in mirrors, we feel a bit of clothes and it just, it changes our shape. And sometimes that can be really disconcerting and you think that that's, you know, an immediate weight gain. Sometimes it can be irrespective of weight. Maybe their weights just stay the same and their, their shape has changed a little bit because of that. But to put it scientifically, it's called reestrification, which is where fatty acids lift up from certain areas of the body, more around our hips and our legs, and they accumulate more in around our stomach section. So that's kind of the scientific based element of it. But yeah, a lot of it can be offset by lifestyle factors, as you as you guys said at the beginning, and making sure that you're not taking your eye off the ball when it comes to your movement and energy, and that just you know becomes off kilter, and you're just consuming more calories than you expected to be so it's more self-awareness yeah I think it's also like you say this time of that time of life for a lot of people is when like they have either teenagers elderly parents exactly. like, yeah you know ju juggling careers and you've got all those life stresses and then all of those factors bumped on top of like I was just talking to somebody in a class actually who was saying you know the teenage hormones and my hormones are an absolute clash of the titans at the minute and I was like I, mm. <laughs> me and my mom. I remember my mum always yelling at me like because I, I studied in the states and anytime I'd come home she'd be like you're messing up with my hormones I haven't had a period for however long and I, you've just come in and ruined everything I'm like whoa whoa <laughs> <laughs> just, by, just by being there <laughs> for a week and it's just hormone chaos um, uh, yeah that's so interesting to hear other people's experience and I guess like if I asked my mum she would literally shrug her shoulders and be like well, I don't know like menopause just happened and I'm like what do you mean I go what information and you're gonna have depending on you know the the female link in your family and how sort of generationally the self-awareness is there whether you're going to be able to have that information or not and how your experience is so it's hugely yeah genetic as well from that perspective yeah my mum struggled with menopause massively like had all yeah. the symptoms for at least 10 years is mm -hmm. struggling with different types she, she always listens to these hi mum <laughs> um 
she's going back and forth between different types of HRT and what's going to work and what's not. So I've seen it at its probably worse, like the, yeah. the skin, the flushes, the everything, all of it. She had, she ticked a lot of the boxes. So I'm now like, right, what can I do best to prepare? And I guess that's probably Brilliant. the question for the podcast is what can somebody do to best prepare for perimenopause or menopause? Well, going into that stage of our life, like those 10 years, when uh, we don't tend to think about menopause or in our 30s or even our 20s, but you should be really thinking about it at every stage of your life. Whatever age we are as women in reproductive age, like this is going to be up to 10 years from our early 40s. Potentially, we're going to see that wild shift of hormones fluctuating. You may or you may not, again, like depending on how menopause affects you, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about 80% of us um, will experience menopausal type symptoms, especially going through perimenopause. And the way it affects your brain, your mental health, there's a reason why there's some, some really alarming stats around things like mental health and suicide and anxiety, especially as we enter menopause. So it's really not something to take lightly and just kind of stereotype as hormones because those hormones play such a huge part in our bodies that when we lose them or things change, we can't just shrug our shoulders and be like, oh, that's just life. Like we have to embrace learning, use the power of medication or HRT if, if that's an option you want to choose and be supported in that journey because it's really rough. Yeah, completely. We've had a question about um, PCOS and menopause and whether having polycystic ovary sy syndrome does affect the way that you would transition through menopause. And if so, how would you navigate that? And what can you do to best sort of arm yourself for that transition? Oh no, we've had a crash. I would say, depending on how, depending on how PCOS affects you and your body, whether you ovulate or not, or you're missing cycles. Your video has crashed, and we're losing your audio as well. Don't know if it's our end or it's on this. Oh, we can restart again. What, what happened? I don't know. It's gone off. Uh, right. Uh, just put it back in. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, she's back. Oh, she's back. Right. And it's, I'll just, um, there we go. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Just cut out. Uh, Lippers. <laughs> That's okay. I think we're all right now. Back in the room. Go on, sorry. Back to the question, which was about... Uh, PCOS and menopause transition? I think depending on how PCOS affects your cycles and whether you are, whether you have cycles or not, sometimes you may not, that, that delaying in ovulation can delay maybe the timing of when you go through menopause. So you may find that you go through menopause a little bit later potentially. And how it affects menopause. I mean, menopause is already difficult enough, right? Adding another condition like PCOS and you really want to make sure you're going into it as optimal as as you can in terms of insulin sensitivity a healthy body weight a good amount of muscle mass on you because those things really accelerate and decline or become even 
more difficult as you enter perimenopause and menopause. So I would say it's a bit of a, a double double edged sword that for somebody that is already struggling with a hormonal condition, then entering into those fluctuations. So can you go into, well, I mean, you're a pretty expert on this as well, aren't you, PCOS? For people who don't um, know what that is and what it means for people, can you just explain a little bit about what PCOS is? Sure. Well, all PCOS is, one, it affects about one in 10 women or 20% of women in reproductive births, so of age. So it's really not, it's a common hormonal condition that I think when I started coaching I had no idea because I don't personally struggle with it myself so I was like why are so many of my clients struggling with this thing called PCOS what is it and if you go to a GP or a doctor it's based on three areas called the Rotterdam criteria you have to have high levels of testosterone you have to have missed or irregular periods and you also have to have cysts confirmed on your ovaries via ultrasound so it's a a complex well say complex it's uh, intertwined with three different categories and you need to have two out of three to be confirmed to, to have PCOS so the main issues with it come from insulin sensitivity insensitivity and high testosterone levels yeah and Going on from there, um, in terms of like how that then affects like people, like somebody who has PCOS, how it would affect their ability to maintain a healthy weight, for example. Oh, sorry, Tim, I did lose you for a minute. What did you say then? Just repeat that for me. I just said... um, so how much would how would that affect somebody's ability to maintain a healthy body weight? Ah, okay. So, well, one, it can affect your hunger and your appetite because hormones are really interlinked between your hunger hormones. So that can dysregulate that. Often you can have what is described even in science and research as like a deranged appetite. So you may really struggle with emotional eating and um, your body, your ability to utilize the carbohydrates in your diet because of the high testosterone affecting how you use insulin and the testosterone affecting glucose and and your body's ability to use that insulin too so it can really play a slight havoc on some of the mechanisms that can help maintain a healthy body weight and it can just be a little bit more challenging and also it can affect your basal metabolic rate by quite a significant amount. I'd say anywhere from like 10 to 40%. So that means that, you know, you can have two women with the same physiologies yet somebody who, and say they both want to try and, and diet and reduce their, their body fat percentage. One may have to diet up to 40% less calories than somebody that isn't struggling with PCOS. And in a coaching capacity, that can really come into, you know, a difficult territory because that's not a it's not an easy thing to have to deal with um especially when that means you may have to be more aggressive in in kind of calories or you're just going to find it more of a struggle to to pursue dieting and especially difficult for smaller women as well which i know is something that you post about quite reasonably regularly is you know women who are already you know sort of five foot two five five and under and already you kind of go in you know, that would need to be a deficit, but like this is problematic in itself because who wants to be in that low calories? Mm. 
to try and lose body fat. Are we still here? Exactly, and and I'm I'm in I'm a, a firm proponent of you know everyone talks negatively about twelve hundred calories, but <laughs> realistically, when you're I don't pr promote anybody eating that little. But when you're dealing with somebody that's five foot one that has PCOS that is already a really small like body composition and doesn't have a large BMR anyway, and that's already challenged. I mean, there there's some seriously low numbers that would need to be implemented to affect your weight if you're not using exercise or an expenditure to counterbalance that. So yeah, I mean, I will I'm being five foot nothing myself not sure being on HRT it's really difficult and I sympathize a lot with my clients that that come to me and they are I get a lot of PCOS petite women and I'm like well yeah let me tell you this is going to be difficult so you better buckle your boots and hold on for dear life <laughs> yeah and it's, it's really tricky that isn't it to get sort of people into the mindset of kind of not then being just like balls to it then you know um it's like mm get your head around that it's going to be a bit more tricky and and sort of have a, a bit of a sort of switch of change of mind that's always really helpful yeah the clients I've had with PCOS there's this almost like mindset of I'm broken I'm never gonna lose weight mm. because of this and I, I was told I had PCOS and I used that as an excuse for so long I was like well that's why I can't I was like, well that's why I'm struggling and it, it's unhelpful to use it as an excuse even though it, it, it is like it does make it harder but if you, when you change your mindset from I can't because to okay this is the hand I've been dealt and I still can lose weight and I still can better my health and I can do all of these things you know regardless of my size and just switching the mindset from I'm broken and I can't to some like just reframing it to a little bit more positive like yes you absolutely can still lose weight you still can run a marathon you still can do all of these things it's just finding a way that works for that individual so mindset change was the biggest thing for me when when dealing with clients anyway and helping them realize yeah it's going to be more of a struggle but it's still absolutely possible mm -hmm. we can't just say oh it's my hormones so I can't it's like yes it's making it harder but what can we do yeah basically Anything to add on? Of course. And I guess, well, only that like, no, but none of us, despite the amount of cards we may have in our deck is an exception to the rule of thermogenetics, right? We, it is all in context of energy balance. So you could have, you know, thyroid issues, you could have hormone issues, you could have all of this deck of cards that could be contributing to making, pursuing things difficult. Oh no, your internet. This is so frustrating. But you either look at what it is you're pursuing, whether that is truly worth it to you. Like, if I'm honest, I'll, I'll have that discussion. So say it's all okay. What? That's okay. I think I'm. I think I'm still here. You were, yeah. I think it's just it keeps stalling. Um, and I don't know what to do about that because it's saying it's yeah, it says it's on. It just cuts you in and out a little bit, but. I think we're okay. Carry on where you were. Sorry, did you? No, that's okay. No, I I was just saying that really there is no rule to the exception of energy balance. And you may have this entire deck of cards that can feel really consuming, thyroid, hormone, 
constant struggles with an area. So you either look at changing your mindset and understanding it, like, what are you trying to pursue? There are a lot of health benefits to, with PCOS specifically, changing your body weight by up to like 5%. So we're not talking like you have to lose a multitude of, of like, you know, stones upon stones or lose a significant amount but even small amounts of weight loss when it comes to fertility pcos or hormone conditions can have such a huge impact on improving things so yeah either you address what is it you're trying to achieve do we really like is it worth it and how can we change our mindset to make that process as easy as possible for you without allowing it to to become a bit of a you know, woe is me or or this is super difficult. Like as a coach, you're there to sort of guide that journey and help them along that way. Yeah. Have you got another question? PCOS. Anything? Oh, anything. Well, 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 one of one of the questions was um how much do our hormones I think you may have touched on it already about lifestyle factors, but how much do hormones directly mm. our weight? Because no matter how much I explain energy balance to clients, if they are frustrated and they believe something is wrong, mm. then it, it doesn't matter about the science. It's no, it's my hormones. Um, so I've had a question, mm. how much do hormones directly impact our weight? And also, is there a specific blood test to check your hormones? Well, for the, for the first part, yes, hormones do. I, I don't want to say directly, it's indirect. Like all of these things are interlinked. So hormones are going to be the reason why it's affecting your energy balance. But all of these things affect behaviors. Like you're looking at behaviors, whether that's emotional eating, overconsumption of calories, being a sedentary lifestyle. So all of those things can affect it. And I guess we don't talk enough about hormones in relation to hunger and appetite so that's already something that's impacting that that can make you want to eat more potentially or that that can hugely that that's interlined with hormones as well especially as women during a cycle so yes hormones affect your mood your appetite your sleep everything so i'm not here to discount the fact that indirectly hormones can affect your ability to manage weight or achieve results in any in any sort of body composition goal everything is interlinked from a hormone perspective so that leads us on to another question, which was um, a voice note. So I'm going to try and just <laughs> read. Oh, voice note. Yeah, nice. voice note. Yeah. So um, this person um, trains high rocks. So she does um, she does a real mixture of running, weightlifting, and you know what high rocks is like um, a lot of mixed movement. Uh -huh. um, she was on a contraceptive pill and said her periods were very little, like she was spotting if that, couldn't really track a cycle because it it just wasn't really there. Um, she stopped taking the pill. Her period has come back and she's like, I can't believe the difference of having a cycle and like how much more energy I've got. And yeah, her question was like, can it have that much of an effect? Like the pill, you know, how I felt while I was taking the pill and what was going on with my periods to where I am without it. Yeah, and uh, 1 million percent. I was like, before we came on the podcast and you told me a little bit of context to that, I was going to sort of say like, what difference did she know? And whenever I'm discussing sort of contraception with a client there, they're only narrowing about coming off it and how it's hurting them. The thing to know about 
exogenous hormones or you know the pill or any contraceptives if if it's in like a, a pill format is it can completely blunt your natural production which can have its positives and it can have its negatives so you just don't get the highs of having your estrogen be high you don't get the effects of you know the the positive effects of, of going through your normal hormone fluctuations because they are there but when you flatline everything you don't you you maybe don't get the negatives because it's managing sort of your womb lining it's maybe helping you to to combat any issues potentially with pcos obviously that's a fairly common uh resort given if, if you're struggling with it is to manage those hormones that are a little bit out of balance by just medically controlling them and flatlining them but as your client can see from performance from athletes having a bit more autonomy and taking yourself on that journey i think is an incredibly powerful thing for for a female to do and i think i mean we get put on it at what like 16 17 and most of us have spent our entire lives having to have some it, it can potentially bring a lot of color back into your life and mood because there are estrogen receptors in every part of your body and there can be positives and negatives to sort of uh, uh, stepping into that journey as your client have seen but yeah i guess the answer to that is one million percent she's noting clearly for her that that's maybe an option she would prefer to have is to explore yeah. that yeah um, great. have you got any other questions you had written down I didn't have a question about concept and one of my clients um, just came off the pill and she's been on it for years. Like you said, she's probably been mm. like 16 years old, feels like a different person, but like not always in the best way. She's like, feels like yeah. a bit erratic. She's all over the place. So what kind of impact does the pill have on hormones and how that affects mood? Well, like I said, when you're, so for the first one to 14 days of your cycle, you're in the follicular phase, which is where estrogen slowly climbs. So once you've finished your couple of days of bleeding, you've shed your womb lining, that's when your hormones have started rising to when you ovulate, which is usually halfway point of your cycle. And that splits into the follicular phase and then the luteal phase. So I always like to say in the follicular phase, you're kind of like Beyonce and you get to experience potentially the benefits of having high energy. You're more focused. You've got more zest for life. You've probably got higher libido, like all the beautiful things that come with estrogen as a sex hormone are going to be there. And when you flatline that with a certain chemical level from, I guess, hormones or contraception, you aren't maybe going to have that full Beyonce effect potentially. But it just also may mean that you experience, um, so with the luteal phase being more progesterone-based, I always like to refer reference it to, I don't know, like a Billie Eilish or a Christian Stewart or a character that's kind of a little bit more, or like, you know, introverted, introspective. It's our pregnancy hormone, so it's there to make you feel safe. And once you understand what these hormones do for your body and what it's trying to achieve from fertility, then you can be like, oh, that makes sense as to why my mood is so kind of a bit low in PMS week or you see that shift because once you ovulate, we are really sensitive to losing those hormones. It can be quite a sharp decline, um, especially like with the menopause, you know, you go from having estrogen or perimenopause, your your estrogen, you can be Beyonce one day and then Christian Stewart the next. Like it's an absolute back and forth so, so you never know. <laughs> exactly right so 
I think it allows when when you understand it, it's like, oh, I'm not just going crazy or like this makes sense as to why I'm feeling this way. Even if it's from training or energy or fatigue, you will you could potentially feel certain ways. It's not prescriptive. I, I don't like saying on this day you will feel this way because most women would turn around and tell me to shut up. Like that's just not applicable. You you need to know how hormones affect you in the different phases of your cycle. And yeah, a lot of things um, can affect that, good and bad. Which I guess leads us into about training around cycles and periods. And if clients are wondering, should they um, change their training around their cycle and plan it around or not? And their nutrition, should they be changing their nutrition around their cycle? Well, for training, I would say, wow, I think... To sort of say, you know, don't exercise at all in your luteal phase, your PMS week, just just don't lift heavy at all and kind of really lean into that. I think a lot of people that are high performance or doing CrossFit or high rocks would just be like, that's one not in line with how I want to train. Like, so a lot of people don't like being dictated to. And I'm, I'm that person, like, tell me not to do something and I'll go out and do it. Like, if you tell me I can't run a marathon on day certain number of my cycle, I'd be like, well, I'm just going to prove you wrong anyway. So I I think I, I would never be prescriptive in that way, but you may experience certain things in those two phases of your cycle. So Beyonce, she's got a better ability to grow muscle. She's got more energy in her sessions. She has a spike of testosterone before she ovulates. So you may hit a PB in the gym it's your most optimal time frame of those two weeks in which to grow muscle because she's also quite an anabolic hormone. But I think there's a lot of research around how anabolic um, she is and the potential of it. But I think there's enough research to suggest that it's a really optimal time as any time is to get your strength training and your sessions done. Whereas day 14 to day 28, depending on if you're a textbook cycle, which not many women are, you are potentially a little bit more fatigued. You are at higher risk of injuries because of progesterone affecting tendons and ligaments and laxity in them. You can kind of pick up the same weight and feel like it's 10 times heavier than it was last week. So you may psychologically and the way your body recovers want to use that time to bring it down a bit, do more lower intensity training, Where is she gone? We've lost you. I'm bursting for a wee. Right, you're going for a wee. Uh, I can't think of that, can I? Right. Um, we're back. Yay! So taking the opportunity to go for a wee. <laughs> that is fine. Back. That, that's perfect. And okay. do you know what, guys? Like, even if you want to repeat this tomorrow or the end of the week or whenever, I'm more than happy to. Just because oh, yeah. you know, I don't want, don't want you guys to have to struggle editing it all, but we may as well do a simulation. Yeah, and that's because I'm not letting Lindsay try it. now. If you wanted to, to re redo it, absolutely butchered. <laughs> <laughs> I might be all right on that one, but this one, yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
another question was, do you recommend a cycle tracker? Um, and would you, so I, I do track, do you track your cycle? No, right. I track my cycle, but I also just go, how do I feel today? Do, like it'll, it spits me out a score and goes like, right. take it easy if you want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. So what, how, what's your opinion on tracking versus just listening to your body? Or do you think it should be a mixture of the two? okay yeah no i think i'm back yeah fab what, what did you say towards the end of that sorry i, I don't just think basically, I caught... tracking versus just listening to your body you know obviously it's helpful to know where you are because so you can kind of preempt where you are especially for mm. performance and mood um but yeah do you think um, people should be tracking do you think people should be listening to themselves or do you think it should be a bit of a mixture of the two well I, I was really curious about hearing the end of your story with your tracking your tracker you sort of said um uh, it spits out a number or a score at you yeah so, so t t how do you kind of find your the, the interpretation of it or the data that you get well I mean basically because it, it's like a series of questions that are like how, right. have, you, how have you slept what's your mood like um, are you sore? How much alcohol have you had? Um, did you experience insomnia? You know, there's like, I think it's like 20 questions basically. And then it'll go, you know, and then it also, because I put where I am in my cycle in it, I think it just correlates it to that. Um, and then just this number comes out and it, it can be, you know, on the days where I'm like, yeah, no shit, it's 40. Um, you know, or there's other days where it's like, you're ready to perform. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm ready. You do that every perform. day. Is it every day? Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's quite an invest. I guess. Yeah. If if you go to that level of detail, I think that's amazing. Um, I I guess recently with a lot of my female clients, I've gotten them because they're quite like high performing or they've got a lot of things in their calendar. I also get them to like look ahead at maybe not the cycle next, but the couple of cycles ahead in terms of like maybe it's in the middle of a holiday or like when is competition day in relation to your next cycle coming up because a lot of women have high rocks or turf games and things like that that I, I coach so knowing when you ovulate is a really beneficial information to have so at least like knowing that date like when that tends to be for you day 14 day 15 day 14 um uh 13 sorry like what which time span because then you get to understand like what phase of your cycle you're in next so even if you just had that and you can easily know that from tracking changes in vaginal discharge your temperature because your temperature increases as you ovulate you get a spike in it so you can sort of track your basal line temperature and just have that if you want to look at I, I think having a, a kind of a, a scenario where you assess sleep and all the things that you mentioned are really useful um, to be able for you on a on a quote-unquote like bad day or when things feel really tough to be like okay I'm at this point so maybe it is related to that because I'm not here to blame everything on hormones but I also am at the same time so I think it's also good good power and and knowledge for for women to have just to know what what day of the week they are because we are a different physiology every single week yeah I was gonna say it is empowering to have the the knowledge and the know and I don't track my cycle every month, but I do know, I know exactly when I'm going to come on based off mood. I get like hot flushes, almost like a menopausal woman. Mm. Like, 
I am so irritable and impatient with people. I'm gagging for chocolate. I'm tripping over things. My balance is off. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and then I'll have one terrible night's sleep. And then about one or two days after that, I'll come on the period. Yeah. So I kind of am just really aware. But I think tracking is really helpful. Like I do recommend tracking to clients, especially if they're not sure. Actually, one of one of my clients asked, um, so she has PCOS. And her question was, actually, written it down. It'd be easier for me to read it off. Um, what is it? Sorry, I did not write it down. Of course I didn't. I've got all the <laughs> other ones. If your cycle is really varied, is there mm. a way to tell when it will come? None of my symptoms seem to follow a pattern. And so I asked her, like, is she tracking? And she said she's tracked for years and there's just no rhyme or rhythm to it. Interesting. I guess that would be really amazing to sort of use as a case study to implement. I mean, I don't know how many things they've tried to sort of regulate the cycle or improve the symptoms or get that back in I don't want to say sync because as long as she's irregularly regular then I guess that's not a problem at all and I guess you can then sort of predict that but like how irregular like is it within a couple of days is it a week because PCOS can largely you know impact the, the timing of those phases and, and what, the timings of ovulation so if it's been a lot of years and there hasn't been much change to it, I guess I, I think that would be an amazing opportunity to sort of try supplements, try lifestyle on nutrition to sort of see whether that has any impact because she's got so much data to work on that you could maybe get it to a point where you could change something. Yeah, she is making a lot of lifestyle changes at the moment. In the last sort of like Great. three months, she's really made a push on training, walking. She's on Inositol, I believe um amazing like she, and, and with working on stress management things so she is starting to kind of bring it all together and I think now it's just a, a matter of kind of managing time expectations and, and having that patience yeah. with, like the fruits of her labor mm. really yeah completely it's it is really tricky isn't it because I've got a couple of clients well most of my clients but a couple who, who particularly struggle with really irregular cycles like one will be like 19 days and then the next time it'll be like 40 days and they're just like Wah! because it's really mm. like how then their decision making their mood like how they feel about themselves and as we, we said you know when you've got somebody who's looking at even though they know the science and that you can reassure them every single month, um, they still go, but the scale's just gone up by three pounds. Like that's just infuriating. I know, I know that it's not anything that I'm doing, but you know, it still really riles me to see. Yeah. Oh, you see me from like a body weight or like a fat loss perspective in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it can be. So one thing I will, like, one, I'll just take the scales away from them, to be honest. If any of my clients really struggle with with not getting their head out of the data and applying too much emotion to it, and that's affecting then their, their mood and then their, their intake because of that, you should always, like, monitor your weight based on, like, week one of month one of your cycle versus week one of month two of your cycle. So you have some – you can't just, like, weigh yourself – ovulation time versus end of luteal and and like not expect that fluctuation like You're your bodies of female will fluctuate by it can be up to i want to say like five percent of your body weight in a daily basis or definitely half a kg is a minimum so that water retention because of progesterone is is huge 
it's it's like that is there so you're not going crazy and like but to be able to differentiate like water from fat which is why having like body scans or in body machines can be helpful um but yeah Kristen Stewart or Billie Eilish whoever you've got if she's gonna look at her body she there's not what chance in hell she's gonna have a great body image day or want to make the healthy choices with their food so you're kind of fighting a lot of resistance so I'm definitely never going to recommend anybody start dieting or choosing to get on a diet in those two weeks of the cycle. Like, wait until you freaking Beyonce. At least she's got a fighting chance. <laughs> I would love to see Beyonce in her Kristen Stewart phase. Or does she just stay Beyonce? She just no, slays all month round. I bet she's sassy as all hell <gasps> in Kristen Stewart phase. You would know. You do you know Lindsay is like upset, like a little borderline obsessed with Beyonce? Oh, not... I didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I've love that. I've outed her now. Well, yeah, but I'm not enjoying the cowboy situation right now. What's that? Well, she's done some country vibes, hasn't she? Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe when it was like what? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll show you a picture. I probably she's, like that. She's confusing. gone all Stetson. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess for her specifically, she's probably Beyonce in luteal phase, but Sasha Fierce, like, you know, the first two weeks. So <laughs> yeah. I guess Sarah's referring more her stage presence and her, her alter yeah. ego horror persona. And <laughs> when you're your best self, I guess any woman can translate it to, yeah, uh, whatever alter ego you've got that is... I guess a more confident, more extroverted, more on top of your game version that would be more likely in line with you having, you know, estrogen on board. Yeah, I think I think mine's Miley Cyrus. I think that's who I'm going. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah. probably my Beyonce. I'll let you have that. Thank you. (laughs) Who's Who's your Beyonce, Dee? Or do you Beyonce? I mean, I only like saying Christian Stewart because I was obsessed with Twilight, if I'm honest. So I just like to use that as an analogy. Maybe a bit prehistoric of me. And sometimes that goes down like a lead balloon when I do talks. And like, just nobody knows who she is anymore. I've watched Twilight. I'm too old for this game. Um, I know he's like, no, as soon as you say Christian Stewart, you just have this feeling of everything just goes down a notch. Yeah. So mood. And some women may just be like, I don't feel that way at all in my luteal. Like some women can transition with seamlessly through their phases of their cycle. They don't notice any PMS issues or so, you know, it's going to land where it lands in terms of resonance with how women feel hormonally, but a lot of us struggle. And I think the exact way you reported PCOS and how it affects you is like, that's so spot on. For, for me, digestively, I really note that that's when... I can see that hormonal shift because of bloating, um, you know, bowel chain, bowel movement changes, and often we're like, "Why is my stomach so bad today?" And then two days later, your cycle arrives, and you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, fine." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Body image as well is a, is a big one that just goes through the floor for people. And yeah. I've done so much work on body image and and got myself into a great place, and I'm like, "That's not. It's not a thing necessarily for me anymore." And then every however long it is usually like six weeks, there'll just be a day where I'm like, I fucking hate myself. I feel like shit. Oh, you're disgusted. And then the next day I'm like, what was wrong with me? And then it all sends. But yeah, body image can go absolutely through the floor. And for a lot of my clients who've worked on body image, 
they'll get to that time of the month and they go, I've done all this work and it's just, I've gone backwards and it's all just not working. Mm. Like it is, it is working. And, and hun, come on, hormones is a thing. Yeah. Things going on here. It, you are doing the work. It's working out. But that, I You're think so right. that's probably one of the things that I wish we could, we're all kind of, um, work out for ourselves because I think we all go through that like I, I mean I'm generalizing but you know we experience that I, with with my friends with clients like women around me and it's you know that is so typical of like a behavior where then that's weirdly where people will go oh I feel I feel I feel fat so I'm going to get on the scale and reaffirm to myself that I am this is not working I'm doing everything wrong and just I'm like why <laughs> why leave yourself alone yeah. leave yourself at this point in the month it's like one of the first things that I when somebody messages me going I feel terrible it's not working I feel really blah 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 I'm like where are you in your cycle oh. exactly right <laughs> yeah as a, as a coach, you get check-ins and you're like, dear God, like I need to call them. Like what is going on for them? And then, then you get them on the call the day after. They're like, oh, don't worry. Like I'm fine now. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> I, I was panicking. Like yeah. I thought the world was ending. They're like, everything's bad. I'm terrible. I ate so much chocolate. I'm like, oh, oh God. Right. Okay. Like let's just breathe. It's okay. And then you get them in the call and they're like, yeah, you know. Um, my cycles come I'm like oh okay makes sense I love, but... I love that you've said this so that any of my clients that are listening that I've had this conversation with I'm like I'm not the only coach that goes through this with you. oh god no like I get their email response come through and I'll go through and I'll be like what the hell has happened like everything's gone wrong and they don't even mention like I kid you not they don't even Oh, we're frozen. You mentioned the hormones or the cycle. And I'm like, what do you think towards that being the, the reason? Oh, I'm like, where have we gone? We crashed a little bit there. You said they don't even... Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, you can have this entire, like, spiel of, like, negative dialogue and they don't even make one correlation to the fact that it's their hormones or their cycle. They just don't see it. I'm like, here's, here's, here's this, and that's why... Um, but it's amazing how much we we won't accept it as a cause for a lot of the way that we feel and behave. Yeah, it goes instead of going logically and rationally, it's that time of the month, it's my hormones, it's this, it's my bad sleep from last night. It, da, 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 we go, I'm just a fuck up. I've just not done well enough. I It's because I missed that one training session last Monday. It's because I've done something wrong. And I'm like, comes back to all the stuff mm. we talk about mm. and it's so hard because at the time of the month where you need it the most so it's hardest to like pull from yeah completely that's uh, the irony of it isn't it it's like where you actually we should be being kindest to ourselves and being able to go right and know like I can anticipate that this is how I'm going to feel it still doesn't make any difference mm -hmm. you can anticipate <laughs> it and go off yeah even have a coach or somebody to say to you go take yourself off for a nice bath watch a film <laughs> yeah. cry you know and you still we I think it's I think maybe just I don't know just we get so used to and it's like well I don't know the, about you, Didi, but like the narrative for me growing up was like kind of you don't talk about it, um, you just crack on with it. I mean, I I danced and I was like always in leotards and stuff, so it was um... it was tricky. But like we all just got on with it. We just got on with it. We just did it. Like you did a show, you know. My kids, they're like, I can't possibly go to school. I'm bleeding. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, eh? But do you, know, you know what I mean? Like there's that sort of, I think there has been more of a shift with the like younger generations, but my generation, it was just like, yeah, that's just happening to me. And I don't even think about how I feel about it. And I think that's quite a common theme with a lot of women that I work with. It's like just getting them to register, like you've said, like where they are and how that's affecting them and to just, yeah, practice a little bit of self-kindness and empathy. Mm. which is where tools like you know mindfulness uh, awareness journaling all of those things that are I guess seen as a little bit too holistic or like I don't want to say like airy fairy but there's like evidential science proof that those things help and that's why I got a diploma in CBTs because those things are so powerful to be able to actually be progressive with taking yourself out and just watching what you're doing your thoughts not I identifying with every thought you have like to me that's just wild to be able to have thoughts and not believe everything that comes into your head where a lot of us do like I'm I'm fat today okay I'm fat I'm a terrible person I'm a terrible person like we're just watching and like listening to this voice in our head and as women I think the 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 topic of one being able to show our emotions the fact that we are very much internal dialogue related a million tabs open we struggle to be able to communicate sometimes how we truly feel because of our roles in society I think everything is interlinked and as you said I don't come from a generation of women that were particularly communicative or could express themselves so our generations are having to you know do the inner work go to therapy understand ourselves a lot better to to actually progress with things like understanding how we think and behave especially when it comes to food and hormones i think this might be the final question and it's from me if you could if you could fix one thing for the majority or as many women as you could what would it be if you could fix one thing that people struggle with the most that you coach what would you what would you choose i i would say that desire to change your body for any other reason than health like I think we we really do struggle to not constantly pursue dieting and changing your body to fit a narrative or expectations that aren't you know sometimes it can be masked as like oh I'm doing this for my health or I'm doing this for this and like you're just dieting because you're uncomfortable with your body you don't like the way you look and you think that that outcome is going to correlate to feelings whereas I'm I'm here for supporting health and fat loss as a result of that. But I think we are so, the amount of times I have relationship with food being so problematic and also their desire to change their body to achieve fat loss. It's like, you cannot do both. So I would, I would try if I could compassionately to take away anybody's desire to change their bodies, but unless it was like health focused for a reason. Love we that. would live so, on a does that make sense oh yeah we like the, the world would be a better place if that could be fixed with the click of the fingers i just think where where yeah. didi you could definitely magic that to happen yeah we support yeah <laughs> vote for didi didi for president oh she's crashed are you here all right her eyes are moving <laughs> <laughs> Issue. you back 
we can hear. I think I, I think give it the no. It's like I I think I'm you're on back. Yeah. You're on, yeah. Um. Yeah. The 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 world really would be a much better place. Right. Well, I think we'll let you go because we're all. Ooh. I mean, this, no. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're here. You're here. <laughs> kind of crack uh, in and out. Oh. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 But you'll be chatting and then your face is frozen and all the other way around. Anyway. Oh no. I think we've covered everything there that we wanted to cover. Have you got anything else you wanted to there was, say, do? There was one question that was sent in about, is there a specific oh, yeah. blood test to check for hormones? I did remember mm. the person and asked, is there a specific reason they were wanting to know about testing? And they didn't get back to me, so I'm not sure why. I think for blood tests, it has to be so specific on timing. So if it's for fertility, I believe I'm not completely aware of it but they would get um even if you're going for hrt or going through a private clinic they'll take uh your hormones at different points in your cycle so i think just to take one random blood test without having understanding of where your baseline has been which i think is yeah it depends on what their context is is it men would dictate sort of how that would go for them um so yes, I, I don't think I have an exact answer for that, but I guess it would be, you would have to have sort of at certain times of your cycle, different different blood tests and levels to be able to correlate to see whether there is a problem or not and where that falls in within ranges. Yeah, well, I think that's a really important answer to be fair to make sure that if you are going for blood tests for whatever purpose to make sure you're getting more than just one in the month. I, th I don't think that's actually something most people would even think of. And I know when I was being having all my blood tests done for PCOS and everything, I was never tested more than a few months apart, like once randomly. So, right, okay, yeah, interesting. I I don't know what certain you know the protocol is for blood testing amongst conditions, but um, yeah, I think and especially when like hormones or contraceptions are involved, then I think that's just a completely different ball game. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that it should be more, have more regular blood tests to get a fuller picture of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Right. Done. Right. Thank you so much for coming on, Nini. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. So pleasure. A bitch, you know. I know, this is going to be a fun one to edit. <laughs> no, don't worry. Honestly, if you wanted to repeat this, then I, I can appreciate having to edit this would be a minefield. And I guess we've already had a decent run. So any of the times you want to repeat it or if you want to give this one a crack at editing honestly i don't mind just um spitballing again and doing and repeating this oh thank you so, so much all right enjoy your no, at all have a good day ladies bye, bye. thanks Steve. see you later